I'm Barry Fern, and this is the Leading Conversations podcast, brought to your ears wherever you're listening, in partnership with the Marketing Society Scotland and the Lane Agency. In this episode, I'm delighted to welcome my guests, Janice Hutchinson from ICAS and Mick Doran from Noggin the Brain People. Mick is a former chair of the Marketing Society and a current fellow. He spent 25 years seeking to understand the needs of consumers across the globe, working in marketing, research and intelligence roles for major FMCG brands with the likes of P&G, AstraZeneca and PepsiCo. He relocated to Scotland in 2009, where he first worked for Heineken and then latterly for Sainsbury's Bank, where he headed up brand, research and planning. More recently, Mick has been helping his wife, Dr. Clara Russell, create Noggin, a brand with a purpose of helping improve the cognitive health of the nation. Mick and Clara advocate that your brain runs the operating system for your entire life and it needs care and attention. Janice is a people-focused marketing leader with over 20 years experience in business, working across a range of marketing and commercial roles. Janice joined ICAS seven years ago as marketing director with the aim of transforming the role of marketing to become a key strategic driver for the business, driven by brand, data, digital, and customer understanding. With a passion for well-being and mental health, Janice aims to create a happy, productive learning environment for her team to develop and grow. The essence of this is a focus on well-being and mental resilience and fitness. Recently, she's established a mental fitness strategy for ICAS with the aim of driving a shift in the accountancy profession to encourage an open and honest dialogue on mental fitness. Mick and Janice are here today to join me for what I hope to be a captivating conversation around both brain and mental health. Welcome Mick, welcome Janice. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Before we get into the real meat of the conversation today around both brain and mental health, let's rewind a little uh, and go back to the beginning of, of your careers for the benefit of our listeners who, who may not know you as well as I do. So tell me, how did you embark on your careers in marketing back in those heady days in the 90s? Mick? Sure. Um, well, I started my career in Procter & Gamble. And um, for those who don't get my accent, I'm from the middle of Ireland. And so when Procter & Gamble came and did the milk round, there was an opportunity to move to the, the bright lights of London. And um, so I applied and I, I started my career in, in Procter & Gamble in a role called Products Research. And that was kind of an interesting role for Procter. It kind of balanced the knowledge of consumer needs with kind of how you best market and communicate to them. So it's quite an interesting role from a Procter & Gamble perspective. And obviously coming from the middle of Ireland over to the bright lights of London was quite an interesting journey for myself personally. Thank you, Mick. And what about yourself, Janice? How did you start back in the 90s? Similar to Mick. I'm not from <laughs> Edinburgh, so I grew up in Belfast. I came to university in Edinburgh and similar to you, with the milk ground, I got a job on the Bank of Scotland graduate programme. I guess I tried different things, which was great. And I, my passion really was customers and marketing. Uh, so after I finished the graduate programme, I got a job in the marketing team in retail banking. And I guess the rest is history. Mm -hmm. I've, I've probably dabbled and moved out of marketing into a commercial role for a short period, but my heart has always lied in marketing. And I think if I'm really honest with myself, it always will. Thank you both for that introduction. Um, very useful context for, for our listeners. 
I'd like us to jump straight into our metaphoric DeLoreans, travel through time and bring us all the way from the 1990s into 2022. Janice, can you tell us a little bit more about your current role at ICAS? Yeah, so I'm the marketing director at ICAS. Um, I've got a team of 10. Um, we've really built that up over the past number of years. When I joined ICAS, it was very much a reactive marketing function. I've got a fantastic team around me. We've really turned it into much more of a strategic driver for the business. Uh, there's a huge focus on digital. I know, Barry, you know some of my digital team. Yeah, we've really built up the capability. And I think Part of the success in doing that has been able to recruit talent from other key organisations, not necessarily people I've worked with directly before, but people who've known I came from Tesco Bank, for example, and I've had connections there. So, yeah, it's been a, an amazing journey. We've really focused on how we engage with our existing members um, and how we promote accountancy and attract new talent. Um, it can be seen as a bit of a dry subject, but if if you go Accountancy? On, yeah. <laughs> if you go on ICAST.com and we've got a series of stories the team developed called CA Stories. They're unbelievable. I'm not just saying that. They kudos to the team. It wasn't me who who laid on any of that. They did a fantastic job and it really shows the kind of diversity angle because people keep, have come from all different backgrounds. A huge amount of them don't actually want to be an accountant. They just want to be leaders in their field and they're doing some amazing jobs. Thanks very much, Janice. Um, Mick, tell us a bit more about Noggin. Give us the introduction, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure, sure. So I, I've probably... You know, had 25 years in the corporate environment where it's very safe. You know, there is probably processes put in place and everybody knows their job. Then to move from the kind of security um, and knowledge of um, of all of that into a, a startup environment. And um, and basically Noggin really was born out of a kind of a personal family issues um, where we wanted to do something around helping people understand the importance of looking after their brain. Um, everybody knows about their heart, you know, heart health. We even know about what we should do for our knee um, in terms of kind of arthritis, etc. But there wasn't really any lexicon or any sort of discussions around around brain health. And, and I'll talk a little bit in a while, maybe around implications for mental health. But what we found when we started to research around why do brains go wrong was fascinating. And there's so much information out there um, that we wanted to kind of get across the small, everyday, simple things people can do to look after their brains, of which one of those things is around nutrition. And that led us to create a range of nutritional supplements. Um, but that's only one part of our kind of ambition um, of getting people to think more about their, about their brain and their brain care regime every single day. I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation. I'm, I'm really uh, intrigued in kind of getting into the the depths of, of this sort of mental health versus brain health and mm -hmm. kind of where it all fits together. But I mean, this is the thing that most excited me about bringing the two of you together for today's conversation. And, and I, you know, don't mean to reminisce about uh, Ireland's last Six Nations with <laughs> yeah. uh, a few years ago. I, I, I really want to delve into this subject of, and I'm sure our listeners will too, where do mental health and brain health cross over, Mick? I don't think they do. Fascinating. Because I actually think we need to stop talking about mental health and start talking about brain health. And the reason for that is, um, is twofold, probably. Um, firstly, uh, the simple fact is that mental health brings with it a lot of stigma. 
It brings with it, sometimes people talk of shame um, and therefore people kind of don't or aren't as open as they probably could be. You know, the simple fact is if you have cancer, people will kind of stop and listen and kind of understand and go out of the way to help. But historically, that may not have been the case around mental health. There is a stigma associated with it. And that's a shame. That's a real kind of lost opportunity. But also, we know you can't be mentally healthy if you've got a poorly functioning brain. And if you think of a lot of thought therapies around, um, uh, you know, if people have serious anxiety or even more serious medical conditions, Who's looking at the brain, the brain function, the impact of what your lifestyle may be having on your brain? So almost to to kind of be to try and challenge people's perception is let's start talking about brain health, because the simple fact is, if you had an issue with your brain, people wouldn't have a stigma and there would be a kind of a, a, a more open view to say, hey, how can we help you? Is there a functional reason behind why you're suffering from some mental health conditions? So I, I think they're one of the same thing. But actually, I think when you look at the complete picture of your brain, when it's functioning properly, there is more likely chance that you're going to be mentally more healthier. And Janice, you've obviously been driving this internal agenda for a couple of years now almost. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in that and then maybe come back to this question on mental health versus brain health from your perspective and, and, and how you've learned so much in the last couple of years. I mean, I, I really got involved through, I did a lot of work with one of our members based in London, Johnny Jacobs. He did the Marketing Society webinar mm. with us. Um, and also, I've, I mean, very sadly, I've seen friends who've gone through incredibly difficult family situations through mental health. And I've seen the impact. And I guess I thought as a leader in a business... If I can do something that makes a difference to even one person's life, like a significant difference, then it's worth it. So Johnny and I worked together, had conversations with Bruce Cartwright, who's the ICAST chief executive, about how we could set up a strategy and really embed it as part of the strategic business plan for ICAST, which we now have done. Um, so it really... I'll be totally honest, I started with a blank piece of paper. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert in mental health. I don't claim to be. I don't believe you need to be to lead on it. I believe you need to care about people and care about the development of teams. Um, so I literally had conversations with connections I know through the Marketing Society, a couple of headhunters in Edinburgh, and I just said, who do you recommend I speak to? Who are experts in the field of mental health? Which businesses are brilliant at it? and I'll go meet them. So I spent a month speaking to people. It was during, yeah, it was, sorry, I lose track of time. It was during lockdown because it was all virtual um, about what they did, what their passion was. And one of those businesses was Lewis Creative Agency in Edinburgh. They're fantastic on mental health. I know, Dave, yeah. Yeah, another was Jin Lally, which was how I came to work with her. Um, Star, obviously Johnny's at Starbucks. That was a massive help. And then at the end of that month, I pulled together a strategic plan and a vision of what we would like to achieve. And the vision we set was driving a paradigm shift in the accountancy profession um, and then set up a project team right across the business. And it's just been fantastic. The impact has been much greater than I ever thought possible. It's so, you know, enlightening and, and sort of brilliant to hear. I can kind of hear the compassion in your voice when you mm. talk about, you know, some of the changes that you've already made, even though it's it's only been a, a short period of time. Mick, there's a phrase on your website that, that struck me. It says, 
We all use our brains in lots of different ways, but the one thing we have in common is the need to look after them. And I was really quite compelled by this, you know, this simplification of something that's far more complicated. I just wondered if you could elaborate more. You know, how did how did you or, or Clara kind of come up with that simplification of something that is a far more complicated subject? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, what's really interesting is um, is the science. And again, you know, although my background's in toxicology, actually, I'm, I'm not an expert in brain health. Um, but what's really interesting is the science is changing all the time. So when I studied science in, in the equivalent of A-level back in Ireland, you know, it was a case of use it or lose it. Um, you know, the, the concept of neuroplasticity wasn't even a thing. Um, and where we've gone from from then to now is that not only is neuroplasticity a thing, and neuroplasticity is the ability of the brain to create new connections. Um, not only is that a thing, but actually people are now, some people talk about how plastic the brain is insofar as if certain things happen to one part of it, in the past you thought you would lose the ability mm. to read or whatever it might be. You actually, the other parts of the brain can, um, can form new connections. What we thought about is that actually people have very different brains. They use them very differently. They expose them to different things. They might come from troubled backgrounds. They might make lifestyle choices that they probably shouldn't do all the time. Um, and therefore, they, they treat them differently. But irrespective of where you are on your kind of brain health journey, the important thing is you can start at any time to make a positive change. And it's not just Clara and myself who've made this. You know, the Lancet itself talks about you know, lifestyle interventions that can help, um, you know, suppress things like Alzheimer's and dementia. But I guess it's also hopefully an element of hope in that communication as well, that actually, you know, we do need to look after it. Mm. Um, we do all use them in different ways. And that's great. And that's what's great about life, the yeah. you know, rich tapestry of life. And I, th and I think, um, you know, we want, just wanted to simplify that whole kind of and whole area and it's that simplification i think that that again really intrigues me to try and understand this more because you know mental health wasn't a google trend until a few years ago mm. in terms of something that was really growing mm. and with my marketing hat on of course i went straight to google trends and i said well <laughs> brain health versus mental health oh, yeah. and you can imagine that red line for mental health versus the blue line for brain health being very very different at the moment but i do find this quite compelling this conversation around mm. brain health and coming back to janice your experience in learning about this and the stigma i know mm -hmm. is is a significant focus for for icas at the moment in year one of your objectives in trying to kind of quash that stigma as much as possible and i just wonder if mick and clara are really onto something here in terms of the word mental the I word mental to me versus the word brain are two very different things and I yeah just wanted to get your take on that, Janice. I think it's a really interesting one and something that I've observed is when you use the phrase mental health, you still see some people almost like sit back in their chair. Whereas when I use the words well-being, people react completely differently. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, as I said, I am not don't claim to be an expert in mental health. The one thing I would say just from my observations you know, society is changing. You're absolutely right, Barry. I mean, if we wouldn't have actually been recording this podcast even two or three years ago, that's the reality. Um, I think COVID has exacerbated a lot in terms of awareness of mental health and well-being. And actually, if I go back to that podcast we recorded with the Marketing Society and Jeff McDonald spoke, and he is an 
massive advocate of your your teams and your employees need to be well to perform at their best for the business. And I was saying to you earlier, Barry, I've, I mean, the impact I've seen on my team and in ICAS has been like really quite impressive. I think people interact differently. They feel empowered. They feel relaxed. And I think there's a lot more talk now about neurodiversity and the link mm -hmm. with the brain. And the reality is everybody's brains are different. I mean, I'll give you the example of my son in primary school really struggled with writing, like couldn't actually hold the pencil properly and was dismissed as lazy. And as his mom, I was saying he is not lazy. There's something wrong. But I don't know what it is. And we had him assessed by an independent mm -hmm. um, psychologist and it turned out he had dysgraphia, which is on the dyslexic scale, but it's quite rare. Um, he then moved to a school that provided support, but he wasn't aware of the support he got in the background. And it was transformational in terms of like how he performed. So I think there's a lot more awareness now of yeah. the link between not everybody thinks the same Correct. and actually accepting that, you know, people with ADHD, diff you know, autism can actually bring a different perspective at work. So I, I think the whole mental health and brain link, we will probably find a conversation we would have in two or three years time, I would imagine would be much more aligned to that than we even are now as a society. I, I, I hope I, that makes sense. A hundred percent makes sense to me, you know, like every new thing. And I mm. don't mean to say that mental health is a new thing, but certainly in terms of the common vernacular and the amount it's discussed, yeah. At the moment, it's certainly, a, a, you know, something rising, which is brilliant. And I, I would encourage anybody, uh, Janice, a little bit of cross-promotion here, but the webinar you talked about mm. with, with Jeff McDonald, mm -hmm. absolutely yeah, incredible in terms of the, uh, the experience yeah. and the power and the emotion that, that yeah. kind of he brings into that conversation as someone far more experienced and educated in, in that context than possibly the three mm. of us today. Can I also say that, that there's something which I, th I thought that um, webinar was absolutely superb, but I think there's even a bigger issue, even more so than mental health specifically, which is what mental health is. It's, it's given people a framework and maybe a pause for thought mm -hmm. to be more empathic and be more kind. You know, why yes. is this individual doing this or why? What could be behind? And I think possibly, especially in organisations, which, you know, sometimes can be can be quite challenging in terms of get the job done. What you're really seeing is people being kinder. Actually, can I share an example? And I hope the member in my team, Davide, doesn't mind, but it's the kindest thing I have heard anybody do at work for a long time. So one of our team members in our division got flooded recently, like really badly, that they've had to move out of their flat. And Davide sent him a bottle of whiskey from him and some of the team members just to wish him good luck and say he was sorry for what mm. he was going through. Now, that to me shows empathy, mm. it shows compassion, and actually more importantly, it shows teamwork, yeah. that people care about their team members and they want, yeah, they want them to be okay because actually for the team to perform well, everybody needs to be okay. And I think, you know, there's an interesting thing because, you know, we all work in marketing, we all work in business. Um, you know, fundamentally, Tom Peters, a big, big business mm. guy, will always talk about what is the most important element 
of your business and it's people mm. and you know people focus a lot on the hard metrics or the output metrics but actually a lot of the input metrics and and he this is famous expression of hard is soft and soft is hard and really it is about people and anything that helps them be the best version of themselves in work of course they're going to probably in the stats prove it they're going to be more engaged there's going to be a better sense of team a better purpose so mental health is fantastic and it is a real and clear and present danger for a lot of folks but actually i think from a business perspective for people listening to this it's around how can you be more human and put humanity back at the center of you know we work in marketing our job is to understand what people need and what they want and how best to communicate with them so absolutely we should be caring for our people to help deliver that I agree and and you know again referring back to that that webinar Johnny Jacobs of Starbucks was it, something that really struck me was he was talking about the ROI of yes. understanding mental health and yeah. and of course you know with our marketing driven brains with with the amount of data that is available to us in, in our roles these days that that was quite compelling to to listen to Mick, you touched on something there that, that you and I started talking about last week and I thought well this is potentially gold dust for for the podcast Ali and I, back at the lane, you know, we talk quite a lot about the difference between um, stress and pressure within our working environment, you know, within many marketing agencies, both client side too, you know, we know that there is going to be pressure at different times of the year, at different times of the month for, for different reasons. But how would you discuss or how would you kind of quantify that difference between stress and pressure? You know, I think people, unfortunately, give stress a bad name you know there's nothing wrong with stress um you know stress is really important and stress helps us grow and again not being a physiologist but my understanding is if you're in the gym which unfortunately i don't go enough to if ever at all but um you know people who go to the gym they, they spend time stressing their their muscles to break down the fibers to grow again so stress is really important thing in in life i guess the real issue and i wouldn't talk about pressure i talk about distress Mm. Um, and I think when stress becomes distress, then we have issues. Um, and, and I think also what we need to do, and one thing that's related very much to brain care and brain health, is the concept of resilience. How do you build up resilience in yourself and in your people such that they can deal with stress? Because show me a person who is not stressed during their lives, they're probably in a coffin. Um, and I think that that's an important thing to say is, you know, let's not get all negative on stress. Let's make sure that as you go through stress, you're not getting distressed, but you're providing the, the frameworks for people to be able to cope with a bit of pressure, a bit of stress. Um, so I think that's the way I look at it. It's not pressure versus stress, it's stress versus distress. I think again, it's a it's a wonderful way of breaking down something far more complex. Yeah. Janice, anything to to add on on that similar vein? You know, stress versus de-stress, or or, or I mean, pressure and stress. I, I agree. Everybody has stress in their lives, whether it's work, whether it's out of work, and it it's how people respond and how people deal with it. And I think, I guess, before people often kept their work lives and their private lives very separate in many cases and I would include myself in that um, and I think what COVID has done is you've been in people's houses <laughs> like through Teams, through Zoom you know it's like people have been getting deliveries, kids have been going off on one in the background, It's it's been about real life and I think it's made people more human and I, I do think the role of leadership has really come to the fore and actually leaders in businesses do need to be a bit more empathetic to get the best out of people. And I always go back to the premise that 
people work with people they want to work with. Good. They work with people they like. That's why they end up working together years down the line again. Um, and I think in working environments can be a lot less stressful if you have fun at the same time mm. as delivering the output. Thanks, Janice. I couldn't agree more about, you know, that, that openness and how the experiences of the last couple of years have certainly been a leveller. Mm -hmm. You know, who would have thought your your staff and, and your, your superiors, you know, would have been peering into your living room, your kitchen, <laughs> your spare bedroom, whatever yeah. it might be. I appreciate you sharing that personal experience as well about, about your son, Janice. And, and I've got a personal experience too that I quite like to share and just get your takes on, really. Um, I used to joke, you know, uh, whenever the, the winter came and certainly living in, in Scotland, you know for the last 15 years then you know those darker nights those colder days on a regular basis I would say well I'm from warmer climes I think I've got sad you know okay. seasonal anxiety uh, disorder but I really did feel last January in particular mm. you know the second kind of coming or third coming whatever it is of, of COVID I really did feel down and I realized at the time it wasn't just because it was dark and it was cold but so much had been taken away from our daily lives in terms of you know our, our professions because there was only so much we could do when certain of our clients you know weren't able to open their stores or weren't able to welcome people to their museums but also in my personal life I was unable to coach football I was unable to play football and I just had a massive void in my life at the time so I don't know how much of that was down to genuine seasonal affective disorder because I bet you if it was June and the sun was out and it was 20 degrees albeit on a rare day <laughs> that I wouldn't necessarily have experienced those same ups and downs but I do wonder if everybody potentially has an element of seasonal affective disorder or or whether it is only certain people I just wonder what your views opinions might be on that again I know you're not experts mm. on, on in the field but it's just a personal experience I've had in the last year or so I just wondered maybe that was something that you've heard of from your teams your staff other people you've spoken to I mean that's a really interesting one so I noticed quite quickly when we went into lockdown and working from home people in my team who I would have always classed as very resilient were saying to me I'm struggling a little bit so I listened and it wasn't one person it was coming through as a theme and it was like trying to understand what that was. And it was partly, yeah, like you're saying, Barry, losing normal life, but also the pressure of teams calls. So we actually agreed as a team to do a trial and we blocked out from 12 to 1.30 every single day, Monday to Friday, with meeting free zones. And people were free to either have lunch, go to the gym when the gyms were open, go for a walk, take their dog out, whatever that may be. And the team initially were a little bit nervous saying, but people in the business aren't going to, there's no way they're going to adhere to it. They'll put meetings in my diary. And I said, if that happens, get people to come and speak to me. We are now nearly two years on and we are still doing the lunchtime oh, <laughs> block out, which, and people have said it's been transformational. Mm -hmm. I actually think a lot of people start earlier in the mornings now because they like the break at lunch or they work later. I actually think people are even more committed mm -hmm. and even more productive because they feel that they've got something back for them. It's definitely an interesting one because I think a lot of people were down. Life was, it wasn't fun. For, it really wasn't fun, especially last January, February were incredibly tough for everyone. Mm -hmm. 
I think that was the worst period. One of my colleagues actually said around that same sort of time, they said to me, I'm doing all the not so fun bits. Mm. I'm not doing any of the fun bits anymore. (laughs) And again, Mick, you said something earlier about us all being social beings or at least, you know, the vast majority of us are social beings. So when you strip away that fun stuff and, and that can simply be, a face-to-face meeting over a coffee or mm. with a client or a supplier or, you know, whatever mm. it might be in, in kind of agency world that, that I can relate to. But I guess there's two things you're talking about there. You're talking about sad and then you're talking about the things that make us human. Mm. Um, and, you know, there is a lot of science behind the impact of SAD um, and the requirements around vitamin D and the sunshine vitamin. There is a business, um, you know, Philips, they have a whole you know interesting part of their business is um, not just their lights, business, I think they still own it anyway, Um, but they talk about wellness and well-being area because the role of light plays in regulating certain release of hormones in the brain. So that's all well kind of proven out that it does exist and certain people, depending on their chemistry or neurochemistry of their brain, will be affected more or less. But I guess what you're really touching on is the other things that are so important for being brain healthy or mentally healthy, which is connections. Um, and again, simple things like uh, social connections, talking to people. There's a load of research around um, the impact of loneliness on brain health. Mm. Um, and again, that's not just through through lockdown. You know, older people suffer a lot um, if they're isolated. Um, so there's a lot of science behind that. And again, there's the whole element around exactly to your, your colleague who said, I'm not doing the fun things. You know, let's not mm. forget dopamine and serotonin, all these kind of neurotransmitters that we don't really think about. But actually, that's what's happening and sparking when you're doing fun and interesting things. Uh, and I guess, you know, it's probably representations of what's going on in our noggins when when we just yeah. do what we normally do. But you strip that away. And unfortunately, it lays bare a lot of the kind of challenges that people suffer. Thanks, Mick. Again, I think we could talk about this for, for hours, but <laughs> yeah. uh, hopefully our, our listeners will, will agree. Let, let's kind of get back on our hoverboards, bring the conversation back to the future, if you like. How do you now see the mental health and brain health conversation changing the way that businesses, and specifically those involved in marketing at clients and agencies, how do they explore and understand and adopt best or better practices in the industry when it comes to both mental and brain health? Janice? I think there has to be a change at a leadership level in marketing and actually probably just referring back to that webinar again and Jeff McDonald. I mean, if you listen to Jeff talk for 15 minutes and he talks about how proud he is to have worked for Unilever and how he was treated and how they treat people, it's all about people. And actually, I always say this in marketing, you could have a job and have five people who are capable of doing that job but the person that's going to drive the change for the team and for the business is the person with the really strong leadership skills and strong emotional intelligence. Um, They will tap into their team, they'll get them to open up with them and it will happen naturally, it won't be forced. So I think in terms of marketing, there is a role for marketeers in, in, in looking after their team's well-being as there is for the role of any leader in a business and I think it's going to become more and more prominent because the millennials and the Gen Z that we've got coming through they want flexible working they value the need to exercise and they want to be able to if they can build that around their working day they don't want a conventional nine to five in many cases so I think the world of work has to adapt because the new generation of kids coming through school now I do not believe we'll do a Monday to Friday 
sitting at a desk. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm certainly seeing it firsthand already in mm. terms of that that flexibility, and it so and it's not I. and that um, demand, if you like, certainly isn't just coming from Gen Z stroke millennial. You know, it's it's everybody. Everybody mm. wants more, greater flexibility, and and as long as that works hand in hand, and as yeah. long as you know leadership allows that kind of conversation and that flexibility i think you know it's 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 pretty clear to me that it's not just about the future that's the present you know we're already in it the acceleration of the last couple of years has has created that opportunity to test and try different things and i'm not sure that anybody has the absolute answer yet for what is perfect for their organization however that balance is constantly being struck between you know what leadership wants or needs or mm -hmm. think they want or need and and what what the staff you know want mm -hmm. or need what the team need you know and Me i think jana no absolutely and i think jana you you absolutely are correct in terms of the role of marketing there because i actually think for anybody who's listening to this and working in a marketing environment it's going to come from us Mm -hmm. You know, marketeers' responsibility is to have their finger on the pulse of people. And if you have your finger on the pulse of people externally, you absolutely need to make sure that you're kind of liaising if there's an internal comms or HR function. You need to know people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think being able to know people, but actually understand how best to communicate with them, how best to develop if you're developing propositions or products or services, what and how can you communicate and inspire the organization that this is a credible must do thing that if you don't do it, there's an implication, lost revenue, lost kind of brand trust or whatever it might be. But if you do do it and do it well, there's actually a business opportunity. And I think there's two things to this because there is a business opportunity now. And, and I, you know, if you follow a lot of the strategies of different types of companies, you'll see them put in environmental, you know, you'll see them putting in health and well-being more into their stated corporate ambitions. So they recognize as well that there is a benefit financially. But it goes back, I think, Janice, to a point that you may mentioned earlier, which is if you've got people who are aligned behind a proper vision, they're engaged and Gallup does loads of research around engagement levels in organizations. And, and it's pretty shocking, actually, um, in general, but specifically those organizations who do invest in this, you've got a better workforce mm -hmm. who are absolutely eager and gung-ho to do great things. And the simple fact is, if they're gung-ho to do great things, it's you're into a flywheel, a, a brilliant flywheel, a successful flywheel. So I can't even say that word, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> a flywheel. Um, it's because I'm Irish, but who knows? But it's it's definitely really important on mm -hmm. two fronts. It, it's definitely much a, an, an opportunity, but also it's it's a must-do for those, for those yeah. folks. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Not that I want to, but at some point I'm going to have to bring our uh, very educational and engrossing conversation uh, towards a close. So I'd, I'd like to just bring a more surreal scenario uh, mm -hmm. to the table, um, but still closely connected to our topic today. So if you could fire up your neocortexes and imagine this scenario for a moment. You've got a table booked in one of your favourite restaurants. You love the food there, you feel at home, and you're seated around the large round table. It's the two of you, Janice and Mick, uh, and you're allowed to invite a maximum of three guests each. They come from the fields of marketing and or mental or brain health. Who would you invite and why? Janice? Well, I would have to say, <laughs> for me, ICAS has partnered with Alistair Campbell on the mental health front. I think what he has done in that field 
to reduce the stigma, sharing his personal stories and the leadership he has displayed is really quite phenomenal. Um, so it would definitely be him. I also think he's got a very charismatic, interesting personality and would be great fun <laughs> at dinner. So that would be my yeah first person. That was not what I expected Why? at all. I don't know. I just. I, I, I also think just that, I guess, because I grew up, and I, I don't want to bring politics into it, but because I grew up in Belfast and obviously I was one of the kids who grew up in the 80s, early 90s, and we were oblivious to every, a bit like the movie Belfast, oblivious mm. to what was going on in the background. And I, I just think what was achieved in the peace process in terms of negotiation was mm -hmm. like. I guess it's one of those lifetime um, changes that really changed an awful lot of people's lives. So I, I yeah. certainly think Alistair Campbell would be a very interesting, interesting yeah. guest with, with a lot of, of experience in, in different areas yeah. and, and things to talk about. Mick, do you, does somebody spring to mind for you? Well, he said it's surreal. So let's take someone back from the grave. And um, I guess from a, from a, a marketing perspective and, a, and an interesting perspective, and maybe because I'm Irish, it would have to be Freddie Heinigan. Um, you know, um, I was fortunate to spend a number of years working for Heinigan and the legacy that Freddie created within uh, the organization was quite phenomenal. Um, we all know, or some of us may know of his great advertising and marketing prowess, but, but fundamentally the ambition of the organization um, and the purpose of the Heinigan organization you know, is still very uh, resonant with myself. I think he'd have some fantastic stories. I'd love to understand what happened to him when he was kidnapped and how he kept saying during that pro uh, period, but, but also how he grew an organization and how he kind of instilled great marketing within such a global, um, global setup. I think it'd be quite interesting, as long as he brings the beers. <laughs> naturally, naturally. Janice, anybody else you'd bring along? Do you know, I would probably bring... Stephen Bartlett, the new Dragon's Den guy. Mm. And the reason for that is a lot of younger people I speak to in the marketing profession get frustrated because they feel with people out with marketing, they have to justify why they're in marketing. Um, and, you know, they get jokes made at them, are you going to colour in, that type <laughs> of thing. And I think he really, like, has brought a new credibility to the profession and marketing as a career choice for young people that actually it is serious and it can really transform businesses. And I think that that dynamic at a dinner table would be interesting. Yeah, what he's achieved at 29 I know, I is know, quite incredible. I know, yeah, I know. Absolutely. Uh, Mick, any more guests coming Ooh, along? I mean, I suppose, is this where we're supposed to stay? We take Mark Ritson or Professor Brian, uh, Byron Sharp? Bring um, whoever you like. I mean, <laughs> I, I really admire those guys. I think they've got a fantastic kind of back catalogue. But I go with a guy called Dave Asprey. Um, I don't know, not many people might know the name automatically, uh, Dave Asprey, but they might have heard of Bulletproof Coffee. And mm. he is the, the the brains behind that. And Dave Asprey was a, a tech entrepreneur, you know, a few years back. But he suffered a lot from poor mental health and brain health. Um, and in his quest to understand how he can better himself, um, he kind of became almost a biohacker. You know, what are the things I can put into my body to kind of help me and so on and so forth. But anyway, he, he created this business called Bulletproof, um, which is which is fascinating. So there again, his background's in text, but he's created this, this, this great business that a lot of people, including Tom Watson, actually mm. talked a lot about how it helped him taking those products to uh, on his kind of um, weight loss journey and how great he feels now. But again, 
and really interesting chap because this guy still does put a lot of weird and wonderful things into his into his system. I'm not suggesting anybody <laughs> does that, but it's certainly interesting to learn about what he's learned. Um, and I think through his experiences of going through some of the issues he went through to come in with some positive out takes of creating a fundamentally very successful business would, would be quite interesting. And I'm sure he applied some of the, the Byron Sharp brand growth rules along the way. So I'd go with Dave Asprey. What a fascinating guest this. Mm. So, um, Who knew? Yeah, yeah. That sounds exciting. I, I, I hope I'm invited to come along too. Well, listen, it's been educational. Um, I would say inspirational uh, to have you both here today. So thank you ever so much for being on the Leading Conversations podcast. I hope our listeners have enjoyed our candid conversation today and that there's a nugget or two from the insight experience that you've both shared that our listeners might recall and refer back to in the future. Thank you for joining me, Barry Fern, on the Leading Conversations podcast. I've been speaking to Janice Hutchinson from ICAS and Mick Doran from Noggin the Brain People. If you've enjoyed this Leading Conversations podcast, head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, or search Leading Conversations wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts.